0: adoption sort of like one day sort of thing but then the family is forever mm-hmm. and so hearing about the ripple effect of that to me is what warms my heart and it just uh, makes me feel grateful for what we're able to do Who am I?
1: Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really?, a podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and today I'm bringing you something a little different. Normally, Who Am I Really? shares stories of adoptees trying to connect with their birth families. But in talking to so many adoptees, it has become clear to me that there are a lot of people, processes, and policies integral to the adoption of a child, raising a child, and supporting that person's desire to search for their birth family. There are birth parents, foster parents, and adoptive parents. There are social workers, search angels, policymakers and court systems, and advocacy groups all contributing their piece to the adoption community. For National Adoption Month, I'm bringing you a few stories from across the adoption continuum. Don't worry, I still have reunion stories planned, but I wanted to share some other perspectives too. The first is that of a volunteer-driven, nonprofit organization that raises funds to provide adoption assistance grants to complete the adoption of vulnerable children. The organization is called the Gift of Adoption Fund, and my guest today is Pam Devereaux, CEO of the Gift of Adoption. You may hear me refer to it as GOA. You can find them online at giftofadoption.org. Pam shares a little of her own story of being personally driven to help others, the mission of Gift of Adoption, And how she hopes many more of us will consider donating to charities that support adoption because, ultimately, the welfare of all children is on all of us. I asked Pam a little bit about herself because I really wanted to know what kind of person becomes CEO of a charitable organization that helps fund adoptions. She's from Chicago, and she studied business at the University of Illinois. Pam told me she always felt the urge to help others and wanted to join the Peace Corps when she was younger. She graduated college, got a job in banking instead, then achieved her master's degree and wondered what the next move for her should be. At her next job in the insurance industry, she developed the skills and responsibilities for her business unit that would mold her for the next move into philanthropy. In the 1990s, Pam joined the Make-A-Wish Foundation.
0: I guess I really thought, Um, In college that I would end up helping out, you know, maybe going into the Peace Corps or something like that. I think I always had a heart for doing something bigger for others. Make-A-Wish was really growing in brand and Mm -hmm. an organizational structure. And so some of the background I had from Zurich Insurance helped at Make-A-Wish. And at Make-A-Wish, I was there almost about eight years again. We really grew the organization, and the Illinois chapter was one of the largest chapters around the nation, and just a great exposure to great leaders and great board membership and governance. And again, sort of that idea of taking an idea that was growing and kind of putting a structure behind it. I followed a board chair to Ernst Young, so I got a chance to move back into the for-profit sector, was part of Ernst Young for a while. And at that time, I adopted my daughter. I was a single person at the time, and Adopted my daughter from China. She was about one when she came home, mm. and um, sort of the confluence of all of those things had me meeting the founder of Gift Adoption, Gene Waika. He and his wife Lucy mm. co-founded uh, Gift Adoption, and really at that time, just the culmination of all things, kind of that idea from a business perspective of taking taking an idea and moving it into an operation. And kind of that startup thing is really attractive to me. Yeah. So when I met the founder, I joined the national board, and then shortly after that, a year or so in, they were looking for new leadership at Gift Adoption, and so I I raised my hand. I sort of had my hand raised for me. Oh <laughs> <And laughs> really? So uh, yeah. So then I became part of the Gift Adoption team.
1: That's amazing. What 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 did the founder say to you when you first met that sort of attracted you to the organization?
0: You know what? What I love about Gene is he's a visionary. Uh, but he's also super, super practical. And so what I loved about Gift of Adoption was its clarity of purpose. You know, I love one focus. I think really being an expert and excellent and the the leader in the one thing you do is something that's very attractive to me. So Gift to Adoption at that time and still is the largest um, organization providing adoption assistance grants on a non-discriminatory basis. So what he said was that this is an idea that uh, can grow. And he also really, to me, talked about how this idea complemented the existing structures that were already in place for adoption. You know, there's so many phenomenal things happening from legislators and advocacy groups and all the agencies that have been around some for 100, 100 plus years. But ultimately, you know, for me, common sense is adoption is at some level a financial transaction. I mean, it really does take funds to get it done. And to me, the idea that that would be an impediment was really troublesome, and I thought it's something we definitely could tackle. And so I just, again, love the simplicity and clarity and just really that complementary mission that I think can make a nonprofit excellent.
1: Yeah, it's a really phenomenal mission. And I think, you know, for me as an adoptee, I was clearly sort of part of the transactional process of the thing. So as I started to delve more and more into this space of what the entirety of the process looks like, it didn't even really occur to me before that time that there were yeah. actually some significant costs, monetary costs yeah. that a family has to be ready to, um, to go for if yeah. they are willing to bring home a child. And, and that shouldn't be an impediment. You're absolutely right. Tell me a little bit about where gift of adoption comes along in the process. And and so you've said, just say it again, like you give, you give grants. Tell me a little bit more about the process of how a family comes to you and where you are supportive to that family in their process.
0: So families uh, come to us in the process Pretty much, they can come to us at any time. Um, Where we interject and where we provide adoption grants is for that last leg of funding. But a lot of times, we'll talk to families, we'll encourage them to apply, we'll actually connect them to other providers. I mean, we love people who have a heart for adoption, and um, (laughs) you know, it doesn't cross everybody's mind. And when it does, you know, we're very, very interested and keeping that enthusiasm going. I think the Dave Thomas Foundation research shows that one in four families seriously consider adoption for their own family, and so we have a big heart for that. But then they go on to say that only two percent sort of start the process and one complete the process and financial barriers are one of the key things to keep people from moving forward or completing an adoption wow. so in general we love when people are interested in this and we feel so grateful that's why everything we would do works because america is the most adoptive nation um, in the in the world and many families um, one in six families have a first-hand experience with with adoption. So they find us anytime, but mainly when we can provide adoption grants is for that last bit of funding to complete the adoption. So our grants of up to 7,500 usually are the last 10 to 20% of costs needed to complete an adoption. Mm, mm-hmm. And so we're really partnering with families who have accredited home studies, who have been matched with a child, Um, They have a bona fide financial need, and we're just that last bit of funding to get them over that hurdle.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm on the Capital Region Chapter Board of Gift of Adoption, and on one of our coordinating calls, a GOA representative said there are times when children in sibling groups may actually be divided if one of the siblings ages out of care. It's heartbreaking to think that sibling groups, the only family those kids know, could be separated if they're not adopted. I shared with Pam that hearing that scenario renewed my desire to be a part of Gift of Adoption because that is a situation we can work together to prevent.
0: Yeah, David. So we really follow the vision and the original priority of the founders, which is to really place the most vulnerable children first. Mm. So we have tons of people who apply to us. We say yes to as many as possible, but because of um, funding barriers, we're able to only say uh, we out of every three applicants, we can say one yes to one, and and we have to say no to two. So again, we want to say yes to as many as possible, but given the limited financial resources, we continue to prioritize adoption grants for kids who, from our view, are really um, looking at what could be their only chance at having a family. And like you said, these are children who are sibling sets, older, sometimes special needs, physical. Um, Emotional, special needs, just times where this could be their one shot at having a family. This is really who who we want to prioritize.
1: Pam shared a story that exemplifies the very reason gift of adoption exists. One family GOA helped had been blessed to have their own children, but found themselves desperately wanting to help Haitian children in the aftermath of the devastating earthquake in Haiti on January 12, 2010. Using an adoption agency, they followed the rigorous process of being certified for adoption. But the adoption agency presented them with an opportunity to adopt a sibling group, a six-month-old, a two-year-old, and a four-year-old here in the United States. Their family needed to make an adoption plan for them to get a better opportunity for their lives. Pam received the call asking to assist the family.
0: You know, it was so interesting because literally, like on a Sunday evening, I had a call from that adoption agency that said, you know, if this family decides they would like to move forward, we know they're qualified can you help them? Can you assist them with a grant? And we said, absolutely. This is what we, this is why we exist. Wow. Um, and so what was really neat, though, one, one quick thing. So they said we said yes, they said yes, it all happened, and the children are all merging and becoming close friends. But what was really neat, the the dad in the story, the adoptive dad, had said, you know what, it was this wonderful window of opportunity, he said, because we understood from our agency that if we weren't able to move forward soon or somebody wasn't, these children uh, would have been split up and, and not been able to stay together as siblings. And he said that his mom, this, this adoptive father's mom had, in fact, been in foster care and had been split up from her siblings. So he said it was like this unique, wonderful way wow. to sort of write, write that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he said we went forward in faith and he said we just duty calls. And so now they're just this happy, regular family.
1: That's really amazing. That's, that's really incredible. Pam and I chatted about the entire continuum of adoption. So I asked her what elements she would like to see changed. One idea was that we need to get the real stories of adoption out there, being realistic about the fact that just like any other home, we're talking about children, families, and all of the complexities of family dynamics. Pam also said that many people who aren't directly involved in a child's adoption don't know how to get involved to help, and that donating to Gift of Adoption is a great way to do more.
0: I think, you know, there'd be a lot of agreement around the idea that, you know, you want to debunk any misconceptions about it. Illusions, you know, that are overly positive or disillusions that are overly, you know, I mean, it's it's family, it's children, it's life, you know, it's happy, it's messy, it's all those things. And so I think really just debunking any kind of misconceptions about You know children who are adopted adoption the process all that stuff so i think just getting good information out there and i think there's a lot of tremendous work being done for that by national council for adoption there's a lot of really good groups the congressional coalition on adoption focuses on getting good information out there yeah Uh, yeah. so i think debunking any misconceptions i would also say you know for us we would like people who you know, whose hearts are breaking for children in the United States or around the world who don't have families for them to get involved somehow. So gift adoption, you could get involved in an organization by providing funding and seeing adoption as a part of your family's philanthropic priorities. Because I think a lot of people don't know that if you're not adopting yourself, you don't really know how you can help. And so I think really just reminding people that you can get involved and can help. Um, You know, these parentless children are on all of our watch and all of us can be a part of them getting into loving homes. That's really where children thrive. And everybody sort of think would agree with that. So I would say, you know, one of the things I would hope is that adoption can be seen as more of a philanthropic priority, both in terms of volunteerism as well as giving. I think the other thing is logistics. I think it's tough. I mean, there's a adoption is a complicated transaction But I do think some people would say the different way it's regulated can be tricky. Um, And so I think some people would want to take a look at are there other better systems or communication tools to talk about children in need and families who would want to help them? You know, are there some ways to improve systems or, you know, the way boundaries are navigated to better serve kids?
1: You know, I I love all of those things that you said, but I want to push on one thing here because it really sort of struck at a chord of everybody's philanthropic priorities. And you said that the children are on all of our watch, you know, and it's just, this goes to the common sort of axiom that it takes a village to raise a child. Yeah. I wonder yeah. if you could sort of say something about the opposite of all of these children having a home to go to. What happens when a kid ages out of yeah. foster care? What are uh, some of the ramifications of not taking action towards these kids? Uh, their homes? It's,
0: uh, it's one of the things that really attracts me to the mission is that it's real. This is this is a huge intractable issue, and the impact of inaction is very real, and it's so avoidable. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it what happens – In the United States when children are not adopted and let's say they enter foster care some sort of foster system and they age out their life expectancy in terms of life outcomes are really really difficult Mm -hmm. Um, so Jim Casey the founder of the UPS his family the Casey Family Foundation has a real interest in this space and they've done a lot of research And just both from a humanitarian and an economic standpoint, it's really significant. So he just put an economic note on it saying there's something the cost is something like $300,000 per individual who ages out of foster care in terms of lost income, in terms of social services, in terms of incarceration. Mm. You know, these are things that are very difficult, real costs for communities um when a child doesn't have the benefit of growing up in a family enters foster care and then ages out without having a family mm. um so it's it's very real things someone one of the research pieces also said you know, like twenty five percent of children who age out of foster care go immediately into some sort of a homeless shelter homeless situation because once that you know formal relationship is ended, they really don't have a family to rely on now that's not to say there aren't tremendously wonderful situations and foster situations, and that's not to say there isn't a ton of work being done to really help children transition from a foster situation into, you know, their own stable livelihood. So there's a ton of stuff being done, but the data shows in the past, right, that there's a very big opportunity for us to really do more uh, for kids so that they do have the opportunities. That's so many of us take for granted and, and, you know, be given that opportunity to have the stability and foundation of a family as they grow up yeah. and navigate, you know, being an adult.
1: Pam went on to underscore that the domestic issues of inaction can lead to adverse outcomes for the children affected. But internationally, the consequences can be equally or more severe. UNICEF points to the challenge of preventing children without families from joining militias, being forced into sex trafficking or other terrible circumstances that no child should be exposed to. Thankfully, Gift of Adoption and a host of other organizations are working collectively to help children find homes.
0: It's why I love our mission so much, because I feel like one child who doesn't have to have that experience just makes the world better for all of us. And so... We would do it for one kid. I would do, you know, we're going to help 365 children this year as an organization because the thousands of donors and volunteers like you, Damon. But, you know, we would do it for what it it would be worth all of our effort if it was for just one child. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, It really would be.
1: So 365 is the goal this year. Yes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So talk a little bit about the mission and goals, what you've uh, what you've outlined for the year and, and where we're going.
0: So Gift for Adoption raises money, and then we run an operation, and the rest of the money we we give away to Adoption Assistance Grants. Our aim is to help 365 children this year. Um, by 2020, we would like to help 500 children a year with the gift of a family. And the way we do it is, you know, we have fundraising programs. The major uh, thrust of our organization is uh, a chapter-based model which you're very familiar with yeah so we have uh, 20 chapters around the country full of volunteer leaders like yourself who are devoting their time to raising money and building awareness about gift of adoption and so those chapters all together raise you know close to a million dollars and the rest of the organization our national board and investor board and all others bring in close to another million dollars and that's the money we use to provide adoption assistance grants to kids. Um, So that's our main focus is really continuing to grow our national footprint and um, be able to really bring more people into the fold as donors and as volunteers.
1: Gift of Adoption is working toward nationwide coverage with chapters of the organization in every state. But Pam underscored one important fact. Just because the Gift of Adoption doesn't have a chapter in your state doesn't mean children in your state are not eligible for adoption grants we want to fund adoption grants in every state wherever the needs arise
0: there's uh, many many chapters like metro new york and sh- and the illinois chapter and the wisconsin chapter who whose money they raise goes to reach the most vulnerable children around the nation so even though we may not have a chapter for example you know in missouri yet we're still funding adoption grants for families and children in that state if the need is is urgent and so Um, We are trying to take our own advice and not being too boundary ridden. Um, We like donors money to stay in its own state. But we also know that while we're building this uh, chapter state model, we're going to make sure that if there is a child in need and the situation is urgent, we're going to get to him no matter what.
1: Yeah, that's really that's really amazing. Um, Since we're talking about (laughs) support. And uh, and generosity and donation, it would be remiss for us not to actually mention the website right now. It's giftofadoption.org. You can go to slash get dash engaged. So org slash get dash engaged. You can find chapters across the nation. I see the National Capital Area chapter there. I would love to get donations through the National Capital Area chapter, the Capital Region, Um, But you should certainly look for um, chapters in your own area that will be assistive in helping children to find loving homes and families that are going to ensure a positive future for them going forward. Pam made it very clear that the mission of Gift of Adoption is to provide adoption assistance grants. But there are many other pieces to the adoption puzzle. She told me they're constantly scanning the policy environment to be certain they're helping in the areas of greatest need and partnering with organizations in the policymaking space to make sure Gift of Adoption is seen as a resource to remove financial barriers to adoption.
0: We do follow it, right, because you want to pay attention to make sure, most importantly, that we're being relevant and that we're helping where the need is greatest. And so one example that I think, Damon, is some of your listeners may know, you know, the number of adoptions, particularly international adoptions of children born around the world and adopted into U.S. families has continued to decline even though there's still so many children, more children than ever, who are separated from families and in need of permanent families. And so that's an example where we definitely pay attention to what's happening on the policy level. And we definitely have crafted our mission so that we're continuing to serve the most vulnerable children in the U.S. and around the world. So what that means is even though numbers of adoptions have declined, numbers of applications for support from gift to adoption have continued to increase over that same period because again, we're sort of have a on trying to make sure we're realistic and helping where the need is greatest. And so adapting, you know, our practices to make sure we've got a line on that is really how we've stayed very current. We also have collaborated with, you know, Congressional Coalition on Adoption with Things, the National Coalition for Adoption, the Quad A adoption attorneys, really just trying to be a resource because we don't create adoption. We don't create the circumstances of it. All we do is we exist um, and we hope when that moment of truth happens and there is a financial barrier that those people, families know to reach out to us. So what is intended as the best interest of the child can be served because money isn't a barrier.
1: Pam really touched me with the story of the family that adopted the three domestic children, allowing them to stay together as a family. I really wanted to hear more stories about children and families that our organization has supported that helped Pam continue to be driven by the mission.
0: Yeah, oh, that's so nice that you asked. One of the stories early on when I first started really struck me was a couple who— was in Wisconsin, the the wife was serving on a mission trip in Ethiopia, and when she was there, she was building a library and saw these two girls who were sisters and um, really noticed, you know, that while they were being fed and they were out of the elements, they were growing up really in what was a cinder block building and that had militia kind of on the outside protecting them. And, you know, she felt so connected to those girls. She, you know, I don't know if it was a long or a short call, home to her husband mm-hmm. in the States, but, you know, just really said, you know what, I'm here for one purpose, but I see something different that is really nagging at me and calling to me. And so they ended up going through the process and were able to bring these two daughters, these two sisters home and really changed the trajectory of their life and really mitigated what was some undoubtedly very difficult circumstances. And so um, that was really neat. But then you keep going on. And so I got to know this family a little bit. And we stay in touch later. We say, well, how's it going? How how are things now that the, the girls are home? And, you know, the first notices were things like, well, the kids are doing well. And um, they're now taking swimming lessons at the Y. And you know they are getting tutoring and they're going into certain grades and so you know good stuff. And then the next <laughs> I talked to the family, like, how's it going now? And mm-hmm. he said, well, it's good. And I said, what do you? And I said, do you have a story for me? And she said, well, yeah. I like it's so funny because the other day Rick and I were just sitting having coffee and suddenly we heard some yelling upstairs. And we were like, what's going on? And we realized, you know, the girls were like fighting S- siblings, right? Sibling argument in their native tongue. And she said it was so funny because she said that was the day we realized they were home. <laughs> you know, They were comfortable. They weren't on good behavior. They were just being themselves. Yep. And that was really a day where I was like, you know, we're a family.
1: That's awesome.
0: so um, I think those are the some of the things that really make me feel connected to this mission is that continuity and that adoption sort of like one day sort of thing, but then the family is forever. Mm -hmm. And so hearing about the ripple effect of that to me is what warms my heart. And it just uh, makes me feel grateful for what
1: we're able to do. Remember, Pam said she's an adoptive parent, too. I wondered about her own adoption story and how she talks about adoption with her own daughter. She was born in China. Pam was born in the United States and is of Irish descent. Her daughter is in high school now, so they don't think about adoption as much as they did when her daughter was younger. But it is an open topic in their home. Pam said you have to know your child to learn how to comfortably talk about their adoption with them.
0: Early on, you know, she was very concrete and very tactile. And so we literally would look at documents. We would look at paperwork. Um, we have it all in a special, like, fireproof safety box. You know, all of her original passport of medical things Mm -hmm. and i will tell you while it doesn't come up a lot you know we live in the midwest so if there's ever you know a a tornado warning or whatever i can promise you leah does grab that box and make sure it goes with us to safety (laughs) you know what i mean yeah right so it's these little unconscious things that she it's it's there you know this is her heritage these are her roots. She's in high school now, and she's fortunate to be in a high school that teaches Mandarin. And she decided, you know, to to take that language, I think, as a way to continue to learn more about her culture and heritage. I'll say we were laughing. So I've been I'm married and my husband had two children. So there's five of us in our family. And for 16, her 16th birthday, Leah wanted to get a ring that had a birthstone from for my birth, her birth month, uh, my husband's birth month and her two brothers birth month. And, um, so I was, you know, my husband, of course, like, that sounds like an expensive ring, but I was (laughs) laughing thinking, wow, we gotta, we gotta step up, man. She's, we're going to be in a ring. Like she's, this is, this is her family. She's serious.
1: That's awesome. You know,
0: it was just, uh, neat.
1: Yeah. That's That's really cool. You've covered everything for me. I was really interested to hear sort of what your own personal perspective was on adoption and, uh, and what your mission and goals were for the organization. And it sounds like, the core, the the mission driven towards supporting funding grants for families is a driving force in your life, and and that is so impactful for each of these families to bring home a child that they can therefore nurture into someone really special. I think it's just an amazing organization. I'm really thankful to Thank be a you. part of it, and I, I really do appreciate uh-huh. your leadership in the space.
0: it's been my pleasure and I'm so grateful to work with you it's really I feel like it's so worthy of our time and I just am so moved by your generosity thank you
1: no it's my pleasure Um, I'll just say that the, the capital region of the Gift of Adoption Fund is currently working on our own drive we have the Fall for Families event coming up on November 2nd and we're specifically looking for donations because as Pam said we can make it a family philanthropic priority to support children going into adoption but we have to support the families who are going to be uh, the loving homes of those children as well so do me a favor go to giftofadoption.org look for the various chapters and the chapters link at the top of the page and you can find the capital region I would love to get a donation from everybody who's listening because this is such a priority for all of the children out there that need a home and a place to go so Pam CEO of the gift of adoption thank you so much for your time today I really appreciate it
0: Oh, it's been my pleasure.
1: Thank you. Sure. All the best. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hey, it's me. It was such a pleasure to talk to Pam and hear her personal attachment to Gift of Adoption's mission. To recap, we raise money to support the adoption of vulnerable children into families. It's a volunteer-based organization and 100% of the money raised goes to funding adoptions. On average, out of every three applications, gift of adoption can only help one family that's a heartbreaking statistic because that's not just one applicant turned down that's an impact to a child's and their siblings lives if that adoption can't be completed for financial reasons so please go to giftofadoption.org to find a chapter in your area or start a new chapter i'm lucky to be a board member of the capital region chapter and we're raising funds now for our fall for family funds drive you can find links to the fundraiser on facebook.com WAI Really. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Gift of Adoption's mission that inspires you, validates your feelings about supporting adoption, or motivates you to get involved and donate or volunteer.